Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Job chapter 37. This is the sixth and final chapter in the Elihu section of the narrative. There is no thematic or conceptual break in the speech between chapters 36 and 37. Rather, it seems that Elihu has been startled by a loud crash of thunder, and this redirects him toward a consideration of God's power as demonstrated in the approaching storm. Again, you have to visualize this drama in order to get the full effect. The event, from a human perspective, has been drawing to a close. Job has finished speaking. The three wise men have finished speaking, and the crowd is packing up to go home. Men are loading up donkeys and taking down tents, and Elihu has been desperately trying to hold everyone's attention for just a few minutes more. He has made some extraordinary claims. He claims to have had a, a dream or, or perhaps a, a series of dreams that will serve to break the tie that has left everyone feeling so dissatisfied. He has summarized what he believes to have been the crux of Job's concerns and attempted to counter it with his exceptional and even otherworldly wisdom. But in the end, he has said much the same as Job's three older counselors. Near the end of his speech, when he was less focused on refuting Job and more focused simply on sharing his own particular perspective, he did say some very insightful and very useful things. He explored the educational and preparatory potential of human suffering. He spoke of God as enrolling us in the school of affliction so as to correct excesses of pride and personal behavior. He he spoke about how the human heart is humbled and brought to the point of salvation through very carefully planned and proportioned experiences of difficulty, suffering, and failure. And he counseled us to spend less time complaining about our lot and more time finding the lesson and embracing the opportunity in our suffering. All, all that is brilliant. And it was very well said and argued, though, of course, we know that it didn't actually apply in the case of Job. Job was not being converted or corrected. This was something else entirely. And now, all of a sudden, that something else entirely seems to be breaking into the drama. There's a loud crack of thunder and a sudden darkening of the horizon. Elihu, who does enjoy the sound of his own voice, does not interpret this as a good time to bring his speech in for a landing and to get some shelter. Rather, he takes it as an opportunity to share a few more thoughts about how God makes himself known in things like this storm. You can almost imagine him talking, shouting now as the rain begins to fall and to beat a steady rhythm upon the ground. Hear now the word of the Lord beginning at verse 1. At this also my heart trembles and, and leaps out of its place. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole earth he lets it go and his lightning to the corners of the earth. 
After it, his voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice, and he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. Likewise, to the downpour, his mighty downpour, he seals up the hand of every man that all men whom he made may know it. Then the beasts go into their lairs and remain in their dens. From its chamber comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds. By the breath of God, ice is given, and the broad waters are frozen fast. He loads the thick cloud with moisture. The clouds scatter his lightning. They turn around and around by his guidance to accomplish all that he commands them on the face of the habitable world, whether for correction or for his land or for love he causes it to happen. There are a variety of potential reasons for everything that God does upon the earth. Ours is not to question the justice of it all. God knows what he's doing. We may not, but we can trust that it is for some good reason. Maybe it is for correction. Maybe it is for some providential purpose related to something outside of us. Maybe it's for love for us or for someone else. Who knows? God knows. And he is good. Verse 14. Hear this, O Job. Stop and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know how God lays his command upon them and causes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? You, whose garments are hot when the earth is still because of the south wind. Can you, like him, spread out the skies hard as a cast metal mirror teach us what we shall say to him we cannot draw up our case because of darkness shall it be told him that i would speak did a man ever wish that he would be swallowed up here elihu seems almost to foreshadow the speech of god he's saying job think of all we don't know we don't understand the weather until it breaks upon us. Did you see this storm coming? And yet here we are sitting outside getting soaked. We haven't got a clue what variety of purposes this rain must serve. And yet we know that God knows. So we don't protest. Do you really need a meeting with God, Job? Can't you just take your storm on faith? Can't you just believe that God knows what he's doing and whatever he is doing, it is good. Verse 21. And now no one looks on the light when it is bright in the skies, when the wind has passed and cleared them. Out of the north comes golden splendor. God is clothed with awesome majesty, the almighty. We cannot find him. He is great in power, justice, and abundant righteousness. He will not violate. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. Verse 21 is brilliant. Elihu says that people don't look directly into the sun when the wind has taken away the clouds. That would blind them. People aren't capable of that. And similarly, people aren't capable of seeing as deeply into God's purposes as you seem to want to see. 
It's enough for us to know that God is awesome. God is majestic. God is just. Therefore, wise men fear him. Wise men show proper respect. And the implication, of course, is that Job is not showing proper respect. Job is not being humble. Job is not looking for the lesson. Rather, Job is interested only in his own vindication. At the end of his speech, we discover that the young charismatic has landed very close beside the venerable sages. He can conceive of no other explanation than that Job has sinned and God is correcting him. If Job can't identify the particular sin, that's Job's problem, not God's. God's ways and standards are at times inscrutable, like the sun. You can't always see as deeply into things as you might like. But the sun doesn't need to explain itself to you. And, of course, that's the great irony. That's the thing we know that Elihu and the wise men and even Job don't know. We know that the Son will explain himself to us. The Son will veil his glory and condescend to come and communicate with us. The Word will become flesh and dwell among us. But, of course, we aren't there yet in the story. We aren't there yet in the canon, but it is a moment of delicious irony for us as readers. For now, it is enough that Elihu's speech has come to an end. Like the friends before him, he has said a mixture of things. Some of them were true and useful and brilliant even. But all of it was wrong with respect to the particular situation of Job. And we are cautioned by that. We are reminded that sometimes we can do great harm to hurting people by saying true things that do not actually apply in their particular situation. We are reminded that if the word of God doesn't speak to a particular situation, then we should be careful about speaking to that situation. We should minister first in silence. We should function as bumper rails, pushing and prodding, hurting people back towards the central truths and realities that will eventually bring comfort. But we should avoid making connections that we are not capable of making. And we should be careful about elevating our personal opinions and impressions to the same level as the Word of God. That was Elihu's greatest mistake in counseling Brother Job. He mistook his personal opinion for a prompting from the Lord. Tremper Longman III is so helpful here and so balanced. He says, It would be quite wrong to deny that God speaks to people through dreams. On the other hand, even in the biblical times, he did not often choose this vehicle to communicate with his people. In addition, there are clear indications that dreams are not the most sure and direct mode of revelation. Due to the nature of dreams as the product of the imagination, today we might say the subconscious, it is hard to differentiate divine revelation from the cogitations of our minds. Further, dreams are often ambiguous in meaning and subject to an interpretive process that also allows us to engage in wish fulfillment rather than discernment of the divine will, closed quote. Are you hearing that? He, he's not delegitimizing dreams, and we should not either, but he is deprioritizing dreams. He is saying 
that they are rare, obscure, difficult to interpret, open to distortion, and capable of being confused with our own will and conviction. That's a very useful summary indeed. Dreams and personal impressions can be real. They can have meaning. God can use them to direct us, but they ought not to be relied upon in personal or pastoral counseling. They are too easily misunderstood and too easily distorted by our own very limited and self-referential thinking. Therefore, we ought to speak cautiously. We ought to major in presence and empathy. We ought to ask questions and point out options. And we ought to trust exclusively in the word of the Lord, a word which we have more fully revealed and confirmed on the other side of the cross. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Inner the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of Into the Word. Before.